This is the Culture Cult on Sin with Tex and Maria. This is our season finale, so it's a very special packed episode this morning. Twelve weeks have passed already. Yeah, it's been really full on, but really fun. And thank you for sharing each episode with us. If you've been listening at work, in your lounge room, in your bedroom, um, hope we've kept you entertained. We had some really nice messages through the week. Even people saying things like, oh, I learned little fun facts about different cultures, or I really like that song you played. It's really, really special to us to get that feedback. So thanks for being with us the past uh, few months. Um, Maria, did you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, of course. Um, Luca Lesson is actually one of my favourite Australian poets. Uh, he's a slam poet, a hip-hop artist. Um, his work, it engages with the mythology of his family homeland, with fiercely political opinions on our society in Australia, um, reflections on personal life. He's facilitated education programs for youth and the community, um, and even established a poetry retreat on the Greek island of Rhodes that happens, I think, every year. Wow. And he'll be performing at Melbourne. Well, let's hear from him. Good morning, Luca. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for being on the Culture Call this morning. Pleasure. Let's um, get into you and all your work. Maria? Oh, yeah. Um, hi, Luca. Thank you for joining us. Um, without giving... Thank you. Uh, without giving too much away... Um, welcome to Paradoxes, your Australian tour and your new single. Uh, can you tell us a bit about the performance piece and what kind of experience you aim to create for audiences? Yeah, so I spent five months outside of Australia um, from November to April, um, from November last year to April this year. And while I was out there, I kind of realised that these there's these really picturesque, beautiful, um, incredible, and naturally stunning countries in the world. Um, I spent a lot of time in Brazil and in Chile, and obviously I've spent time in Greece and Australia. And they are really, you know, paradises in so many ways. But underneath it all, there seems to be a, a, a ever-growing paradox of these countries being extremely beautiful physically, but underneath it all having um, some really intense political situations happening, some very intense kind of violent situations happening, high rates of suicide, all these really kind of ugly parts of our society that we don't um, talk about as much as we should. And so the idea for Welcome to Paradox came out of that. Um, and so now I've released this single, which I see as kind of like a poetic musical kind of mashup. And the tour that we'll be doing is me, with a musician from Melbourne whose name is Mina Shamali. Mm, he plays yes. three or four different instruments, and he's a poet himself. And he'll be accompanying me uh, along the tour. And we're doing about an hour to an hour and a half show of us just jamming between some older poems that I've got and some newer things that I made while I was traveling o overseas. On that note, we, we did look up Mina Shamali, a talented composer and instrumentalist, We'll be incorporating acoustic and some program sound into your performances, as we understand. So what kind of role will music play in your shows? Yeah, look, I think I'll probably end up doing um, a 20 to 30 minute set by myself because I'm very comfortable in that world of just doing straight a cappella poems or rap verses. And then Mina will come out and, and accompany my work. He made some music for the first album that I ever put out when I was living in Melbourne oh, called wow. Please Resist Me. And from that album, um, we've kind of stayed in touch. So it's like a nice full circle moment for him to come back on board and, and be my main guy on stage with me and, and playing piano 
Nick. Um, Luca, I wanted to say something a bit specific. It's it's 2019, and uh-huh. when in in the art world, but also media and marketing, when it comes to content, everyone's always emphasizing things like video and new technologies as the right tools to engage modern audiences. Um, uh-huh for a million reasons, whether it's sales, raising awareness. Um, but what I love about your work is it's honest and it's it's poetry, it's words that's remain medium uh, to engage with people and it's what really moves people uh, and a bit of music as well. Um, how did you come to choose the spoken word as your form of art? Um, I think it chose me. I don't think it was like an intellectual decision, like, oh, should I do this or should I do that or should I become a poet? It was... It was more like I went, I mean, English and languages have always been like my favorite subjects in school or my favorite ways to express myself. Like that's kind of like a given from when I was younger. But I guess I even now I don't really um, care for the distinction between song or poem or rap or spoken word or storytelling. You know, like for me, words are my medium and however... I want to express a certain subject matter or a certain emotion or a certain story, I kind of choose my tools accordingly as to how I want to express that. Sometimes that's with a beat and and it feels a bit more like rap and it's in, in a 4-4 time signature and I'm, you know, rhyming and, you know, people are like, oh, that's a rap song. But other people see my Please Resist Me um, video that's on YouTube and there's no music behind it, and someone commented mm. under it recently, that's my favorite song of yours. You know? <laughs> there's no chorus, there's no singing, there's no music, you know, but for them it's a song. So I, I like to break down those those boundaries of what we think yeah. things are, but, but for me, you know, I went through tough times in my life, and, and writing poetry and getting up and speaking it, um, for me, felt like a really healing process, and mm. by the time I kind of came out of that difficult time, I ended up being good at it because I'd spent so many hours doing it and, and I just loved it so much. So, yeah, yeah it, just, it felt like a natural progression at a certain point. Do you think that the spoken word type um, or whatever you've mixed, you've experimented with different styles and you're saying, oh, it's not necessarily a rap song or a hip song or a song at, song at all, um, it's just your art, it is what it is, I guess. Do you think that spoken word impacts or resonates with people in a specific way? Do you think it affects them emotionally differently or how they receive um, the poem or or the spoken word piece? I think it can, yeah. Look, the re- one of the reasons why I love the form is because it's so raw, you know. There's nothing in between me and my audience. Sometimes mm. there's not even a microphone. It's just like I, I get up on stage or a poet gets up on stage and the crowd is feeling a certain way, you know, and three minutes later they're feeling a completely different way because of what this person said and the energy they put behind it and the physicality behind it and the passion and so many invisible factors that poets employ in order to make things impactful. Um, And we don't need a DJ or lights or, you know, we don't need much really. Mm, Um, back in person. And so for me, I think that that can be much more direct. Um, but then again, there's, there's, you know, sometimes you go to a poetry event and the poems just don't connect with you, you know, like, and, and it's super indulgent and someone's just talking about all their problems in front of you using the audience mm-hmm. as a therapist. And, you know what I mean? Like, it's not always a, a poetry slam or a poetry scene is only as good as its poets, is only as good as its, its writers and performers. And 
So just like any other genre, you know, there's heaps of hip hop that I don't listen to, even though hip hop is probably my favorite genre of music. There's heaps <laughs> of painters that I don't, you know, gel with, just like any other genre. So I wouldn't just say it's some, you know, magic pill for, for the arts, but I definitely think that it's something that has been ignored for a long time and we think that it's new, but actually it is just an extremely ancient form of storytelling that has been repackaged and called slam poetry or spoken word, but it's it's very primal and and very deep-seated for, for human beings. You're on the Coach Cult on Sand with Bex and Maria. We are speaking with Luca Lesson. Before we let you go, Luca, can you let our listeners know how they can engage with your work, whether it's online or offline, and where we can find tickets for your Welcome to Paradox shows in Melbourne and around Australia? Yeah, so the easiest way is all in the same place, really, on my website. So it's just lucalesson.com.au, Luca, L-U-K-A, and lesson like a school lesson, um, au. And joining us on the Coach Cult right now is Hayley Egan, vocalist from Santa Toronto. Welcome to the Coach Cult, Hayley. Oh, hi, thank you. Hi, Hayley. Um, thank you for, for coming by. Um, first, I, I wanted to ask you, we were just playing Mutos de Amore. I believe it translates to something about bringing about love. Um, we really enjoyed the song before, um, before, before we had selected it for our show because uh, it's just so sweet. It's just so sweet and melodic. Um, could you tell us about what the song means and what it's all about? Um, I can. So um, that song was collected um, some at some time in the 1970s, I think. I think, anyway, a few decades ago, um, for the National Library of Australia. So not um, not everybody knows this, but the National Library in Canberra has a great um, oral history and folklore collection, um, and. Salvatore from our band um, won the National Folk Fellowship uh, last year um, and he had the opportunity to go and um, really sort of get into those archives and um, that song, there was a recording of that song um, which I I don't know if you um, played the first track on the album with it um, but the, that's the original recording from the archive, and um, oh. basically we took the song and then we um, just stripped it right back and found the melody and then rearranged it and put everything else in it. So it's a, a song um, from a woman. I'm just I can't remember her first name right now. Uh, Porku is her surname, and she um, came. She was a migrant. She came from Sardinia. And the, the the language is in Sardinian. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and what kind of story does it tell about the woman? It's just a love song, essentially. So it's a traditional um, Sardinian love song. It's not, uh, you know, um, an original. It's not her own composition. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, just a, a traditional, very old Sardinian love song. So the amazing thing about finding... Um, these recordings is sometimes you can find even older songs here in Australia than you'd be able to find maybe back in Italy because they've been preserved through that migration process. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How lovely. Yeah. Um, 
in saying that, yeah, my themes of migration is quite uh, common throughout this new album, uh, Sonu Songs of the yeah. Homeland. Um, yeah. There's also, especially like there's one in English, The Southern Cross is Calling Me. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that sad song about the uh, Mamma Mia, da, no, Mamma Mia, Dami Central Leader, about uh, the girl asking her mum for money to come to Australia yeah. and the ship sinks. Um, yeah. I really hope that's not based on a true story. Oh, oh li- listen, I pro- it probably is, you know, but mm. um, that's a very, very common, um, very well-known uh, Italian migration song. So our version of it is slightly different because the person that um, it was collected from uh, here in Australia had changed the lyrics to reflect her own migration experience a little bit. So usually you'll hear that song um, talking about, I I need to go to America. Um, And when the woman sang it to the collector, and I think that was another one collected back in the 60s or 70s, Mm. um, she you know, wanted it to reflect her own experience. So she, she sang Australia, and so we sing Australia too. Some of the, um, yeah, some of this, it's a very old and traditional song, but some of the, the lyrics in that in that song have been changed up to reflect, you know, the own experiences as told to the National Folklore and Oral History Archive, which is really, really interesting. Yeah, of course. Is that... Yeah, yeah. Are a lot of your songs are found from these old archives? Are there any that are, um, I don't know, are there any that are personal favourites or uh, based on songs that you've known just through singing them throughout the years? Or So um, the the album was a project um, that by Salvatore, um, uh, as a, it was an outcome of his fellowship mm-hmm. at, the, at the library. So... Um, most of them are from the archives and some of them are original. So during that time that he had to, um, you know, really delve into the archives, um, he was able to choose songs from the archives that he wanted to perform and also get inspired and and create some originals. Um, so one of the last songs on the album, the um, Tarantella dell'Emigrante, I think it's called, Um is an original. That's a song by Salvatore. Um, and all of the rest of them sort of came about through the, that fellowship and that process of rearranging these old sort of hidden songs. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. I can't. I just can't believe, like, how there's so much history behind so many of the songs that they've actually been yeah. dug out of archives. Yeah, yeah. It's Literal really archives. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, on that, your style of music, uh, I know Italian music is very diverse in general. Um, every time yep. you hear it, there's always a different tune uh, or a different style. Um, but what is it? You guys play music from, Santa Taranta play music from the south, south of Italy, uh, and it's a few different genres, even just from the south. Uh, can you explain for us uh, what some of these musical styles of the South are and what makes them unique? Okay, well, first of all, I always like to say that um, with Santa Zaranda, um, and it's sort of become, as we've played more here in Australia, it's become even more kind of 
evident as we play in folk festivals and become um, sort of a part of the Australian folk scene, mm-hmm. that the music we played is kind of, it's inspired by the music of the south of Italy. But um, what we're sort of trying to create is a genre that is Italian-inspired music as Australian folk. So <laughs> whenever um, people think of Australian folk, they actually think of something that sound, sounds a, a bit more similar to Irish or, or English traditional music. Um and that just doesn't reflect what, what Australia is. Do you know what I mean? There's so much diversity here. So um, we kind of like to to think of ourselves as well as Australian folk musicians, even mm. though we're playing Italian-inspired music. Um, and of those um, traditional styles, I think, to, just to answer the, the question that you're actually asking, <laughs> um, <laughs> is um, so there's Tarantella, which is, already a, a huge blanket term so that's it's a really actually really hard question to answer because there's lots of ethno, if there's any ethnomusicologists listening uh to me now waiting to listen to me um define tarantella you know, <laughs> waiting sure to judge. say something wrong <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's essentially a really big blanket term that um is sort of encompasses a few different styles of traditional dancing music from the south of Italy, and um, of that is, or you know, included in that is pizzica pizzica, which is probably, you know, our our most sort of signature um, style. Mm-hmm. Although there's none on this new album, there's there's no pizzica because, you know, probably because there was none in the archive yet. There's mm-hmm. not many. There's not a huge. Um, Pugliese community here in in Australia and of the um, Pugliese that are here, they they come from a specific part of Puglia that doesn't necessarily play that style of music, so there was none in the archive. Um, And yeah, so you know, then there's Sardinian music, there's just traditional um, the song Mamma Mia Dami Cento Lire is is, uh, song from the north of Italy. Um, that's a, just a, a migration song. Um, yeah, there's there's many different styles. <laughs> but it's sort of um, what we do is we kind of try to blend them together and create something unique, I think, is what I'm trying to say. I think, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think you've definitely achieved that. It's a very, uh, it's a very distinct sound, even compared to other folk bands. Um I'd first heard you guys perform at the Lonsdale Street Festival and it definitely stands out. The I think some of your older work is very energetic, but then this album I think is more uh, personal uh, and melodic. And yeah. thank you. Oh, I just want oh, to thank, thank, thank you for putting out uh, such a sweet um, <laughs> album and that will resonate with a lot of Australians, especially with the stories of migration. The Coach Cult on scene with Bex and Maria. We have yes, a lot we have that we our have first bit of Coach Cult merchandise, official limited edition, only one print off. Um, yeah, once they're gone, they're gone. So if you want them, get down here. We designed a little logo, you know, with all the information about the show, where you can find us, what we're all about, where you can hear us. But then Maria so sweetly 
did some customised ones with some favourite celebs of ours, favourite European and Middle Eastern artists. They're featuring all the greats. Aziz is there, Nancy Ajram is there, Mashu Leila's there, oh. Conan Osiris, robbed of Eurovision this year, is there as well. But he lives on in the stickers. Lives on in the stickers. Eleni Fuereda, her Fuego cover where her hair turns into flames. Yes, iconic. So this is just a bit of special coach cult memorabilia. And if you want to be a part of the party, just jump into our DMs and we'll let you know how to find us. Um, We're going to keep this playlist going. And also a big thank you to everyone who has been listening throughout this season and to all our guests. I mean, today we just had two, um, but throughout the season we've had like 20 probably all together. And that's not to mention all the people, friends of the cult, who have been tuning in every week, sending us Instagrams and messages of support. So we want to emphasise, even though we won't be live on the airwaves for the next little while, definitely there will be Cult Cult podcast content and we will be continuing on. We're on all the major streaming platforms, so wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you stream your music, guaranteed you can find us.